Stop me if you've heard this one before. Ole Miss is going to have to throw the ball over the middle of the field to be successful against Mercer. This is a key for the whole season, but it's not for the reason you think it is. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On on this podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I do want to let you know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $500 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Also, this weekend, the Rebels play the Mercer Bears at Saturday at 1 p.m. Central. Jackson Dart potentially will make his debut, even though Lane Kiffin is not naming him the starter. Catch every bit of the action with the Rebels hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 81 or the SXM app. Search Rebels. All right. So we're getting ready for a great game against the Mercer Bears. And it's not because that game is going to be necessarily competitive. And this is a game that if it's Ole Miss is only winning by 20 points in the fourth quarter, that's probably a problem. And we need to ask some questions about it. But it answers some questions that we have had during the offseason. And something that happened in the middle of last season, fairly early on, with Bill Flowers, who will be on the show, I think, Wednesday, tomorrow, was the passing across the middle of the field and the usage of the middle of the field and how it affected the offense as a whole. It caused me to go down a rabbit hole. And I've gone down this rabbit hole, and I've been on in on this topic more than anybody else. It's almost obsessive at this point. I get it, but that's just the way it is. But if you look at Jackson Dart's numbers in the middle of the field, he was okay deep third. You know, he's about 30% down. He probably needs to improve that to about 40%. Um, but the passer rating on the outside, outside the numbers, was up over 128, 126 on both sides. The middle of the field, about 61. He was 10 to 33, 446 yard, three touchdowns and an interception. That was only a 61% or 61 passer rating in the NFL. In that middle area, up from 10 to 20 yards, kind of where the linebackers sit. This is the area we focused on. He was 10 of 56 for 510 yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions, had a 60.9 NFL passer rating. So we made decisions and we made assumptions based on that, me included, that Jackson Dart had trouble in the middle of the field. But as we dug deeper in this, and you can tell I've had this information for a little bit because you saw what yesterday's podcast led with. Ole Miss had a problem last season in the middle of the field, and it wasn't Jackson Dart. Okay? Now, we had one really good player. This is what Malik Keith did. Now, I'll put Jackson Dart's numbers back up. He was 27 of 56, 510 yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions. Okay? That, that was his number in the magic golden area of the field that we're all going to pay attention to. If you look at Malik Keith, he was 15 of 22, 313 yards. It's nearly 60% of the yards, 
three touchdowns, one pick, 131 NFL passer rating. So whenever you have a middle-of-the-field monster, Jackson Dart utilized him effectively. And Malik Heath was the best receiver on Ole Miss's roster last year, even though we had a second-round pick that got taken by the Carolina Panthers. If you look at just production on the field, Malik Heath was the best wide receiver that Ole Miss had. Now, we'll contrast that with Jonathan Mingo. This is what Jonathan Mingo did. He was 4-15 in the middle of the field, one touchdown, one interception, 73.6 NFL passer rating, deep third, deep middle third. The middle, middle of the field, that golden area that we were talking about, he was 5 of 19, 83 yards, three interceptions when targeting, had a 5.7 NFL passer rating. That 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 is absurd. Basically, the best player on Ole Miss's team last year, and, and he was the alpha of that room, whether his production or anything else said it, everybody else deferred to Jonathan Mingo. Jonathan Mingo was not good in that area. And the best player not being good in that area is probably more of what we think of what the middle of the field should be. And this is even with Jonathan Mingo lining up at tight end occasionally. Now, speaking of tight ends, Casey Kelly's zones. Look, that that one is not good. This one's not good. Whenever Michael Trigg kind of got injured and flamed out and the backup tight end was Casey Kelly, you can see that it was problematic. Between Jonathan Mingo and Casey Kelly, there was no production in the middle of the field. Even though Casey Kelly, who did not have a catch in that magic zone, he was 0 for 1, has a higher NFL passer rating when targeted than Jonathan Mingo did. This is interesting to me. If you look at Jordan Watkins, who, who, who was essentially a slot receiver that Ole Miss used in the slot, or I mean, a wide receiver that Ole Miss used in the slot because they didn't have anybody else. And Jalen Robinson did not pan out. We all remember going into the first game last season, Jalen Robinson was the penciled-in slot wide receiver. Well, he did not pan out, and Ole Miss ended up having to move Jordan Watkins into the slot. And if you looked at him in that magic zone, he was two for five, 34 yards, no touchdowns, an interception, 24.2 NFL passer rating. It's over and over. Other than Malik Heath, everybody is like this. So I think Lane Kiffin was aware of what was going on last season. The middle of the field was just a problem, and it wasn't a problem with Jackson Dart. It wasn't a usage problem that Jackson Dart went through. And whenever you dig into these numbers and see what's going on, A, you realize how valuable Malik Heath was to this passing attack just a year ago. But five out of Jackson Dart's 11 uh, attempts occurred when trying to target Jonathan Mingo. Two or three was like um, Jordan Watkins. So over the middle of the field was a problem for Ole Miss last season, but it wasn't necessarily Jackson Dart doing it. So we fast forward to this year. And and Lane Kiffin, as we saw with Malik Keith, he went out and got some middle of the field monsters. And even Zachary Franklin, who has not practiced at this point, but we only want him, as long as he's backed by Alabama, we're fine because we don't need Zachary Franklin to necessarily beat Mercer Tulane and Georgia Tech, not saying they're not good competition. You, they're just not in Alabama, you know, in Tuscaloosa. It's not that game. So if you're looking at the toughest game in September, you want him back for that. 
So I think against Georgia Tech, I want to see Zachary Franklin playing. But he's a middle-of-the-field monster, just like Malik Heath was. He's a slant machine. He's somebody that in between the numbers does his damage, really good hands, really good route runner, and elusive. We talked about how once he comes back because of the emergence of Aiden Williams, if that happens, maybe Zachary Franklin ends up in the slot. Interesting indeed. But if you look at the receivers that are going to line up and play against Mercer Saturday, you have Trey Harris. Look at his middle of the field, 99 NFL passer rating in that golden zone. He was 7 of 13, 139 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, win targeted, 120 NFL passer rating in the short middle, nearly 100 in the deep middle. Middle of the field monster. This was important. This is to allow Jackson Dart to use the whole field. And apparently he is doing that because of the talent of players like Trey Harris. If you look at um, Caden Priestcorn coming in. Um, so, all right. So, Caden Priestcorn is not coming in for whatever reason. We're trying to do the overlay on that, but is another middle of the field monster. Honestly, another middle of the field monster that Ole Miss can use to their advantage um, for Jackson Dart in the middle of the field. All right. It's not hard. So you, you take a slot wide receiver, which everybody's assuming it might be date, um, Jordan Watkins. I think Jordan Watkins might be a candidate to move outside wide right now because that is where his comfort zone lies. So it will come down to players like Caden Lee, Dayton Wade, um, those players being slot receivers, and they could be very effective moving forward indeed. Now, could be a lot of fun. Of what's going to happen. I'm expecting this offense to look completely different than it did a year ago. Last year was so much run. It was 70% run last season. Of course, they had Zach Evans and Quinchon Judkins. I can understand why they're 70% run. But with um, Quinchon Judkins and the running backs in the passing game, with the tight end being more of an effective option, I could see a situation where a Harrison Bryant-type situation happens with Caden Priestcorn. In the slot receiver, if you get production to occupy the other linebacker, all of a sudden in the pass routes, you could have them going three different directions and completely open up and make one-on-ones in the middle of the field increasingly possible instead of all of that area being populated. If a team wants to play man against Ole Miss, which most of the teams in the SEC want to do, you can see where this offense could be a little bit of a problem. If you want to play zone, they'll just pound you with Quinshawn Judkins. If, you want, if, if your first move as a linebacker is planning to get back to a zone and coverage, um, you're not going to have the momentum to stop a running back of that caliber. So it should be interesting. I think this offense has a chance to be elite. We need to see it. They are completely in show-me mode at this point. We are at the point where we have been talking about potential all offseason. Now it's time for Ole Miss to show me, and that is the first key to Saturday. When we come back, we will talk about the other keys that Ole Miss has going into Saturday's game. Front seven on defense against the run, that's going to be a major thing, and all the newcomers as well. So stick around for that. But right now, I do want to let you know, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, when I got out of the military in 2004, coming back to the States, I lived in Italy. It was just me and my wife. We were the only two people that we had to lean on. 
It was something that you basically had to learn independence and you had to develop mental toughness because it was literally me and Becky against the world. But I do understand that the world of mental health is coming. Health has come a long way in the last couple of decades. And now you have help to get questions answered, get thoughts, process feelings that you did not have 20 years ago. Sometimes in life, we're faced with these tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. You know, whenever I was getting out of the military, what was I going to do? Was I going to go back to school at Ole Miss? Was I going to enter the workforce? These are all questions that I had. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. It's personal experience, right? It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. BetterHelp is. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. That makes complete sense because the person you're wanting to get advice from, you need to trust that person to give you good advice implicitly. That is a really good feature. But let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get $10 off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on college. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Bill Flowers will be there. We're in our game week stuff. It is all there. Tomorrow is going to be a what to watch for episode. So it should be a lot of fun there as well. So tune in for that. Now, the next key that people need to look for is that front seven on defense. And I'm not necessarily talking about how they run and what they're going to do and stuff like that. I'm more interested in in Mercer getting less than four yards per carry running the football. That is the stat that Ole Miss fans need to watch for. They're going to play better football teams next week. The week after that is going to progressively get more talented until Alabama and LSU are walking down the tunnel. So Ole Miss needs to be at a point where the defense is doing pretty well against stopping the run against Mercer. Now, we saw this this weekend against North Alabama. They ran for 170 yards. North Alabama did a pretty decent job against the Mercer offense. Now, it could be a situation that Mercer was kind of keeping bullets in their gun for Ole Miss. Now, I don't expect Mercer to put up much of a threat to Ole Miss. It could happen. I remember Jacksonville State, and I went into that game just like I am this one. So, Running the football will be key for Mercer. Their quarterback threw for like 115 yards. They ran for 170. They're going to try and slow it down and run the clock. And in order for Mercer to do that, they need to get more than four yards per carry. If it's less than three yards or less than four yards a carry, they're not going to get first downs. And nobody with the defensive line that they're going up against is going to trust themselves going forward on fourth down. Players like J.J. Pegues, Cedric Johnson, Stephon Wynn, Jared Ivey are destined to have a big day against a traditionally undersized FCS offensive line. 
We'll see. It's a, it's a big situation for the Ole Miss defense. Can they stop that run? That was the Achilles heel in 2022 was run defense. Now schematics are in there. Pete Golding systems in there, different linebackers, a lot of different position plays on the defensive line. Even in this defensive backfield, it is different, but I am not so much worried about giving up an explosive play or two in the passing game. This is a game that I honestly expect Ole Miss to win somewhere in the neighborhood of 52 to 14, something like that. I think that the offense will be very explosive. I think that Mercer is going to make some plays and they're going to do some stuff. And, and I mentioned on yesterday's show how they have a return guy that is being looked at by the NFL. Phil Steele talked about that as well. So I think Mercer is going to be able to make a few plays, but nobody needs to freak out about that. Because at the end of the day, will they be able to make enough? I do not know. I don't think so. Um, but offensively, I think Ole Miss is going to be able to make too many. Now, defensively, Mercer, pretty decent. Of course, offensively, North Alabama, who knows? But this is a game that Ole Miss should probably run up 500 yards of offense, fairly easy, score a lot of points with some explosive plays. Jackson Dart has a big game. But the key for the rest of the season is that run defense and how that looks going forward. So our two keys that we have right now is passing over the middle of the field and front seven run defense. I want to see um, all of the newcomers. I want to see how Ole Miss lines up. I want to see how they can do. And, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the newcomers playing in this game because the third key, that I'm going to have is the newcomer players adapting to SEC football coming in and playing well. We remember what happened last year whenever Jalen Robinson was extremely ballyhooed, got to Ole Miss, he did not have a good first game against Troy. It it it, it was pretty pretty rocky start that ended up with George Watkins playing the slot position. So we will see if the which player has a Jordan Robinson type introduction to Ole Miss and which players will really flash and really look forward. And we'll talk about the freshmen as well. But right now, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $500, bet $500 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. So you bet $500, bucks, you can get $200. Back. That's like a $700 investment, essentially. Plus, all customers who bet $500 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, guaranteed, um, from YouTube and YouTube TV. I have Sunday ticket. I'm, I'm looking real forward to that, watching the Saints play um, every Sunday. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel. It's an um, sponsor of the NFL, official sponsor in the NFL. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Do want to let you know the Rebels play the Mercer Bears Saturday at 1 o'clock Central, Jackson Dart potentially playing quarterback. Lane Kiffin and his new look, all this quiet confidence comes to the forefront. You can catch every bit of the action 
with the Rebels hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 81 or the XXMF app. Just search Rebels. Ole Miss will probably work as well. We are on there as well. So if you have the SiriusXM app, you can catch our show as well. Now, the third key that we want to talk about for this weekend, and again, these aren't keys to win the game. This is on honestly at this point for a game like this, keys for the season moving forward. These are things that I want to see in this game that kind of, I don't know, confirms my opinion about this offense. Now, another key will be the newcomers that come to Ole Miss and play football performing pretty well. And there's two types of newcomers that we will be paying attention to. One is the entire defense. No, I'm just kidding. One is all the transfers that Ole Miss has brought in. We are going to be playing close attention to them. But the second thing are the true freshmen because Ole Miss generally has one or two true freshmen that really shows out during the season. You can remember last season, Davis and Igmanosin and Quinshawn Judkins, the year before, Tysheem Johnson. If you can play, you will play in this Lane Kiffin um, Ole Miss Rebel football team. But we'll start off with true freshmen. And, and Santarian Perkins is a player that I'm absolutely fo- looking forward to watch. I, I got to see him in the Under Armour All-American game and the practices around that. He was absolutely the best player on the field. Um, whenever real football is played, he is absolutely special. The amount of playing time that he gets, though, in year one will be completely determined on what his he can handle. It wouldn't make sense for Ole Miss to put him out there and he not be able to handle the situation he's in. It would be a, it would cause a confidence issue. He would play slow. So if you're looking for development, it might be a situation similar to what Patrick Willis went through in 2003 to where the first year he plays very specialized things as the season moves forward. Aiden Williams, he was the star of the first two weeks of fall camp. I want to see what he looks for. It looks like. Now, granted, he's going to be going against an FCS cornerback, but I do want to see what he looks like um, getting there. Without Zachary Franklin at practice in the lineup, he has a chance to go. Will it be Aiden Williams actually starting out wide? Will it be Jordan Watkins? Will it be Braylon Brown? We will see whenever the ball kicks off. Heck, we'll see when the ball kicks off who's playing quarterback. Um, technically, if you want to go by today's press conference or yesterday's press conference, um, where Lane Kiffin did not announce a quarterback. Now, in the running back, Jam Griffin, he is somebody that I'm looking forward to seeing spell Quinshawn Judkins. He's, he's a bowling ball, Maurice Jones-Drew style of running back. Um, offensive line, Victor Kern, Quincy McGee, I want to see what they look like on the offensive line. Defensive line, I mean, Isaac Ukwu, Stephon Wynn, um, those guys um, on the defensive front will be really interesting to see. Akello Stone. At linebackers, really important. We've talked about Santarian Perkins, but you got Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste and Monty Montgomery and those guys in the middle of the defense on that second level that's so important. Because on most team sports, and nobody talks like this because I'm, I'm – People are, I guess, biased about their own sport. But most team sports, a spine is important. Like in soccer, your center backs, your central midfield, your central midfielders, and your forward are the most important part of your team. That's where the work's going to happen. In baseball, the catcher, the pitcher, the second and shortstop, and the center fielder 
probably the most important players on your team. Football is no different. The most important players on that defense would likely be the defensive tackles, linebackers, the middle linebacker, and the free safety and strong safety. That, that'll that be the most important part of your team. And, and if you look at the secondary, I mean, I like Zamari Walton. I like Deshaun Gaddy. Um, I like John Saunders, Dejon Anthony. I like those guys as players, but they're just new. And we've had my episode talking about concern of how that looks. And, and newcomers wise, that's probably the most important part that will be answered on Saturday is like who flashes as a newcomer because against an FCS opponent, a player should flash. So if he doesn't, that's kind of noteworthy. So those are probably the keys against Mercer. And like I said, this is a game that I don't expect to have Ole Miss to have much, too much trouble with. I'm expecting 52 to 14, 45 to seven, somewhere around that. But if you want to look at the keys to the game that I am looking for, first of all, I want to see passing in the middle of the field. I want to see Trey Harris and Caden Priestcorn be what Jonathan Mingo and Casey Kelly was not. I want to see Trey Harris be what Malik Heath was, honestly. That, that is what I'm going to be paying attention to. Second of all, I'm going to be paying attention against that front seven on defense. That front seven is very important on defense and how Ole Miss attacks the run game. I want to see Mercer with less than four yards of carry running the football. If it's over four yards of carry, there might be a problem going into two lane and something we have to rectify. Mercer, you, you have the most improvement between game one and game two. Well, this is Mercer's second game. So what we saw against North Alabama, we're going to get a better, better product in game two. Against um, Mercer, it's going to be our game one. We need no operational stuff and things like that. We have to play pretty sloppy to for Mercer to be in this game. The third thing we're looking at is the newcomers and developing well as an introduction to the Ole Miss fan base. Who can we count on? Who is going to flash? Things like that. We can all remember last season against Troy when Quinshawn Judkins came in and you just saw him run the ball and you're like, okay, he's different. We all remember defensively what it looked like. Jared Ivey, those guys, okay, they're different. We need to see exactly what that'll look like. And most importantly, probably, Ole Miss needs to play a ton of players. Ole Miss needs to get to the point where the second half, we are all complaining about Spencer Sanders being in the game because we want Walker Howard and Austin Simmons to get reps. That's what Ole Miss needs. Ole Miss does not need to be in a fourth quarter game against Mercer. They want it as little play load as possible and get ready for playing on the surface of the sun against Tulane in a week. That is what this needs to look like. Anyway, thank you very much for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and, in fact, available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. And don't forget, on Sirius XM Channel 81, you can check out the home team broadcast with David Kellum and the folks talking all about Ole Miss football. It's on the SXM app as well. Just search Ole Miss Rebels. Um, we're on there as well. So relatively short episode, kind of to the point. Um, as this week's move, move moves forward, tonight we will have Pratt Rogers. Tomorrow we will have Bill Flowers. Thursday we will have Michael Bratton from that SEC show. He will come on and talk all about that. And Friday, we'll have Tom Vanderford. We also have Brian Smith that we're going to have to figure out where to put him.
He might be a Saturday morning before the game type situation. So we got interviews. It's weird that the interview volume has gone down. My workload is going down now that the season has started. That is, that's bizarre to me, but that is absolutely the case. So here's my challenge to you, though. Um, first of all, look at Stewart's Cajun Dill Pickles. They're worth it. Um, but second of all, tell a friend about the show. Get them to listen. Because if we get one more listener per show, if everybody tells one person, all of a sudden this broadcast is in 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 listens per show, and that just increases our voice in the Ole Miss fan base. Because our goal, absolutely our goal, is to be the dominant voice around Ole Miss sports moving forward. And we are well on our way to doing it, but we can't do it without you. We're trying to make our voice, your voice, be one that is absolutely heard instead of that small group of people that pay for information around Ole Miss football. It's only like 10,000 people. Only like 10,000 people are controlling the mood of everybody in the Ole Miss fan base. We want that to change a little bit. Anyway, thank you very much. Hope everybody has a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. Take care. Hotty toddy.